Last week I talked about Shabbat, and I talked about it in the context of a Presbyterian minister up in Idaho who said something on his blog about Shabbat having been changed, and that sort of launched me. But he's a guy I like. His name is Doug Wilson. So what he did is he did a message on fear, and he took a very different tack than what I usually do when I talk about fear, and I thought it was really good, so I thought I would share it with you. Now, when I talk about fear, my perspective is that fear and faith are two sides of the same coin. Faith is the mechanism, if you will, that we use to bring things from the spiritual into the physical, and fear works the same way. So if you have faith for stuff, the stuff that you have faith for will at some point usually come to you. That's the way it works. If you fear something, the thing that you fear, if you dwell on it, may also come to you. It's the same mechanism, and that's usually the way I talk about it. He talks about it a different way, and we get to the same place, which is fear not. So the passage I'm going to use is Luke 12. So I'm in Luke 12, verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. So the pattern here is fear not, fear, fear not. Wilson has one of these catchphrases, which I kind of like. It's not whither, but which. So the way he uses that is the question is not whether you're going to fear. The question is what are you going to fear? Not whether, but which. And he's taking this from an entirely Christian point of view, but it's absolutely consistent in the Tanakh, in the Torah. For those of you who remember Musar, we talked about the character trait of Yerah, which is translated, depending on what's going on, as either fear or awe. The same word is used for both fear and awe in the Tanakh. Typically, when they're talking about being afraid of something, as in scared, It's tira, they add a tav to it, but it's the same root word. For example, in Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, And now, Israel, what does the Lord God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. So the word there that is translated as fear is yirah, You can also read this, and it makes perfect sense. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to be in awe of him? Works either way, either translation. So we don't have that in Greek. So in Greek, the word just simply means fear. Now, the sequence, as I said, in this passage that I read is do not fear. Fear, do not fear. Don't fear the one who can only kill the body. Fear the one who has the ability after the body is dead to cast you into hell. But then don't fear because you are valuable. 
Let me read that again. Verse 7. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, for you are of more value than many sparrows. So the idea here is fear God, but don't be afraid of what's going to happen to you because you are valuable to God. He's the one that you should fear, not whither but which. You shouldn't fear the world, but you should fear God. And you should fear God because, A, he has the ability to do more to you than the world does. But don't be afraid because you are very valuable to him. So, fear of hell. God bless him. He's a Calvinist. Uh, Wilson is, that is. And Calvinists spend a lot of time thinking about hell. In fact, one of the things I've heard years and years ago, and I can't cite a source, is Martin Luther, he always had this constant fear that he wasn't going to make it. And it sort of goes in his preaching. In fact, many of the Puritans are, of course, Calvinists that set up the United States. And there's a very famous sermon that was given, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. So Calvinism is all bound up in this, and so Wilson's thing was sort of bound up on it. And the idea of should you fear hell, and I will go to someplace different than he did. I'll go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Yeshua is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love, perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So the Luke passage that I read is the one that you should fear is the one that has authority to cast you into hell. In other words, everybody's going to die at some point. So that's not the fear that you should have. What you'd have is the fear of God. However, it also says that you are worth more than many sparrows. And then in 1 John, what it says is we have confidence for the day of judgment. Which is to say, if you fear God, you can be confident in the day of judgment. You no longer have to fear hell. And the idea here is, if you fear God properly, you need not fear anything else. That's the message. And by the way, when we're talking about fear, we're not talking about the transitory, momentary fear that happens when your car goes sideways on an icy road. And your stomach goes like this. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is this sort of existential gnawing fear that you can't ever completely get rid of. And I will gently suggest that the world right now, all around us, is ladling out that kind of fear with a shovel. They're trying to keep you fearful, uncertain, roiled up, and unsteady. And what Wilson is talking about and what God is talking about is if you properly fear God, you do not need to fear the rest of it. You can sleep in peace 
because you know that you are in the hands of a God who loves you and you appropriately fear him. And I'm going to go back to the Tanakh definition of the word, which is either be afraid, and certainly be afraid if you've done something wrong, but it's also simply awe or reverence. Same word means the same thing. So if you have awe or reverence for God, you need not worry about what the world is doing. Now, I'm not saying that you don't need to get out there and roll your sleeves up and perhaps occasionally hoist the Jolly Roger and start swinging around with your saber. Not saying that you shouldn't be doing things, but you can have confidence that the worst that's going to happen to you is what happens to everybody else at some point. You're going to die. That's the worst that the world can do. And by the way, there's a passage of Scripture that talks about that. Hebrews 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, he being Yeshua. So since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Starting to get the theme here? If you have proper fear of God, awe, respect, love of God, you need not fear what the world can do to you. Now, again, I'm not talking, obviously, about when your car slid sideways on the ice. That's something different. But you should be able to sleep peacefully at night without worrying about things that you can't control. So if you're spending your whole night sleeping and wondering, oh, am I going to have enough food? Oh, what happens if I get some dread disease? Oh, what happens if... and so forth. You can't control any of that. So don't be afraid of it. Sleep peacefully, trusting in the one who has you in his hands. And that's the point Doug made. And the other thing that I'm saying is the world will try and control you using fear. And we have had a master class in that for the last couple of years. I mean, we have got people that are just terrified. I have a friend who, driving in his car, wears a mask and then comes into a restaurant and sits down with me and takes his mask off. Everybody knows that the virus does not descend below five feet, right? And he's a good guy. I love him. But come on, people. It's a real thing. There's no question about it. And many of you have had it. I've had it. Some of you have had really bad cases. I understand that. But you can have a really bad case of the flu, or you can have a really bad case of skin cancer, or you can have a really bad case of half a dozen other things, and you should go through your life living it without fear. And when those things happen, do your best to take care of them. And if it doesn't work out, you know where you're going. What's happening in the world is they are trying to control you through fear. And the problem becomes, remember I said it's not whither but which. It's not whither you fear, but what you fear. Everybody fears something. What you want to do is fear God and not the world. 
So what we have here is, since the United States and in fact the West has sort of become pretty much post-Christian, there are lots and lots and lots of people, especially young people, who really don't have any interest in God. So the only thing they have left to fear is the world. It's not whither but which. What are you going to fear? Not whether you're going to fear or not. We who fear God have no need to fear the world. Those who do not have God have nothing to fear except the world. And they're very easy to herd using fear. That's what we've been watching for the last couple of years. And by the way, it's been a master class the last couple of years, but it's nothing new. So you're designed to connect with God. That's what he made you to do. As I'm fond of saying in Midrash, you are the only thing in creation that is supposed to operate both in the spiritual and the physical. You're supposed to take stuff out of the spiritual, use your hands and your mouth and so forth, and make things happen in the physical. That's what you're designed to do. If you lose that spiritual connection, you got nothing else. All you are is a relatively smart animal. And you are going to be afraid of something. So what we want to do is fear God. And one of the things that he said, which I liked very much, Doug Wilson, he talks about the grace of Christian fear. Calvinists are big on grace, too. And the idea here is God has given us grace by teaching us to fear him. So that in that process, we need not fear anything else. And that's why the Bible says over and over and over again, Fear not. Be afraid. And as I have said many times, one of the reasons not to be afraid of things in the world is because of mechanics. Fear and faith are the opposite sides of the same coin. So if you spend all your time being afraid, what you wind up doing is attracting the thing that you're afraid of. Just like if you spend your life in faith, you wind up attracting the things that you believe for. Not immediately. I mean, it's not like you can walk out and put your hands on a car and all of a sudden the title drops out of the overhead. But the way the world works that God has designed it is you're designed through faith or fear to bring things about. That's what you're supposed to do. And so the grace of Christian fear is by learning to fear God, there's nothing else you need to be afraid of. As I said... I sort of gave Doug Wilson a hard time last week over Shabbat, and I really like him, and he's very wise and excellent. I don't happen to be a Calvinist, and I don't happen to be a Sunday worshiper, but he is otherwise very good. So let me close with one last piece of Scripture, Revelation 2, verse 10. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. That's what is going on in the Luke passage. That's what's going on in the first John passage that I read. Everything is designed 
as you're operating in this world, which, as I say, ladles out fear with a coal shovel, that you be able to walk through it with confidence because you know the one you fear. Et ta